Welcome to BIV Today. I'm Tyler Orton. It's time for that regular check-in we get on Canada's retail landscape with one of our most frequent guests here. It is Craig Patterson. He is the founder and editor-in-chief of RetailInsider.com. Craig, thanks yet again for joining us on BIV Today. Thanks for having me back. Well, let's kick it off with uh, some kind of local news here with Vancouver's Lululemon. Talk about that a lot, but uh, they're getting more into home fitness why is Lululemon making this play right now? Yeah, well, Lululemon made an acquisition of Mirror uh, a little while back and uh, um, is now rolling it out as part of, I guess, Lululemon's ethos as being a brand centered around, you know, being athletic and fitness and healthy. Uh, it kind of makes sense to a degree that a fashion uh, brand, uh, you know, focusing in where it was in the athleisure area would kind of, you know, get into the fitness area as well. Lululemon has quite a cult following, uh, um, many people love the brand and, and uh, you know, when they say things, people are going to listen. And in this case, they're saying, you know, use mirror, <laughs> which they own. Yeah, well, it's curious to me because I think of, say, like athletes, you know, uh, Michael Jordan will roll out a brand of sneakers, you know, back in the day will have a, a lot of athletic apparel branded uh, in the name of athletes. But is it kind of unusual for maybe the reverse to happen in which we have a brand roll out sort of fitness options as well? It's a good question because again, I have seen it the other way where Peloton got into you know doing some fashion items or partnered with Lululemon. Funny enough, um, it's not that common. I'm just trying to think if anyone else has done this off the top of my head that I can think about. It, it's probably pretty rare, but at the same time, it kind of makes sense. So I, I wouldn't, I certainly wouldn't hold anything against Lululemon for having acquired Mir. I, I think they're going to be able to integrate this into uh, uh, the store and the brand and uh, and be successful at it. Well, yeah. Do you think like other athleisure companies would uh, take a look at this and be like, huh, I like that idea. Maybe we make an acquisition into home fitness and uh, we can kind of do something similar. Or do you think, I don't know, maybe just the cost of acquiring Mirror, it might be out of reach for some of Lululemon's biggest competitors? You know, it really depends. You'd have to, we'd have to look at the competitors individually because, uh, you know, who's even out there that, that would be competing with Lululemon? Well, I guess in Canada, we just saw Athleta open its first store. It's owned by The Gap. It's it's a women's athleisure brand. But, uh, you know, I don't think we'd have the same cult following in terms of being able to, you know, dictate significant sales by acquiring a, uh, a fitness brand uh, out there. So, you know, Lauren Jane, I don't even know if that exists. That's an Australian yoga wear brand that came into Canada. And I don't know if it's here anymore. Um it could happen, but it's a matter of who, what, and how. And, and <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I don't know the answer. Well, you know, it's interesting. Do you think that this play that Lululemon is making right now would it have happened if not for the pandemic, where we see like a lot of people make that shift from going to fitness centers to just doing home fitness instead? Or do you think Lululemon could have always ended up at this place, regardless of uh, how, how the pandemic has shifted so much consumer behavior? That's a good question. Um, I don't know the answer, you know, for sure that maybe there was a situation where Lululemon had been looking at this before the pandemic. I honestly don't know, but certainly because of the pandemic, it makes sense. And that I think is what we've heard in terms of them saying, well, people were working out at home more, uh, you know, mirror is a home workout, uh, or at least 
it can be used in that respect, or that's how it's positioned, uh, you know, align with Lululemon, uh, you know, to, to expand the mirror brand uh, as people are working out more at home during the pandemic and may continue to do so uh, subsequently as things have opened up around the world. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that certainly it had an influence. I don't know if the deal again was under discussion prior to the pandemic, but it sure makes a heck of a lot of sense if it wasn't and it was influenced by the pandemic. But the only reason I hesitate and say no, I'm, I'm not 100% sure is because I, I hear a lot of stuff where, you know, the message on, on one hand is we did this because of this, but then you find out there were other reasons in the background. Uh, as a journalist over the years, I've learned there isn't always just one story. So I don't know what the real story is, but I'll, I'll go with whatever they're saying in this case. <laughs> well, I want to touch on something you brought up just a second ago, though. But we have a Lululemon competitor, Athleta, opening its first Canadian store in North Vancouver. Uh, you mentioned, you know, it's uh, one of the sub- subsidiaries of The Gap. Uh, what, what makes Athleta kind of uh, stand out? Why, why is it kind of an interesting company to come into Canada and, and select North Van as it's, you know, kind of uh, launched within this particular market? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's 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 one of the few Gap brands that is actually profitable right now in terms of it's seeing substantial growth. Uh, the Gap and Banana Republic, as labels themselves, have struggled in recent years in terms of maintaining a profitability. Uh, you know, Old Navy has been a bit better in terms of it being successful. But now you've got this athleisure brand, Athleta, Athleta, I'm not quite sure how to pronounce it, <laughs> but I haven't been to one of their stores. It's a, it's, a, it's a women's wear athleisure brand that certainly does have a yoga focus. Other, other you know, it's got a focus on swimwear as well, I believe. Uh, and uh, it could be quite compelling for consumers. The price point is a little bit less than Lululemon. Um, not sure about the quality, uh, certainly, but you know the price point is there. They go on sale, I think, more than Lululemon would. Lululemon isn't quite a brand that you know will want to go on a huge discounted, you know, sales ninety percent off type of thing. Um, but but having this competitor coming into the market could shake things up. I think Lululemon is pretty safe in keeping most of its market share. But for those who are sensitive or may find other things you know or even lululemon to be a bit intimidating they may go to the other brand what's the strategy behind launching in the suburbs of vancouver and just kind of dipping their toes in it's not going to be like this giant launch across canada um what do you think uh, athlete is thinking about right now uh you know it may have been partly opportunity i know that the company came in with two initial store leases in Canada. One was at Park Royal in West Vancouver, the other at Yorkdale Shopping Centre in Toronto, which is another upscale shopping centre that's not downtown. Um, I suspect that uh, the company would be looking at doing an, a national expansion in different types of uh, shopping locations. You know, they may do a Robson Street type of store in Vancouver in the downtown core. Uh, but thinking about who would that core customer be, it would be a woman because that's what Athleta makes. They don't do men's wear currently. Um, you know, a woman that's that's into athletics. Uh, um, I think partly this was a matter of a location that was opportunistic. It came about in West Vancouver. Also, you know, who is the West Vancouver client? Uh, it's uh, a person who can afford to live there. It probably has a little bit of money. Uh, you've got some people that are very much into fitness. Well, that's the whole Vancouver region uh, for many. Um, but also I think that the North shore is known for having some people, despite having a lot of money being value conscious, and this could be a move for, uh, for Athleta to go after those who aren't looking to pay the Lululemon prices, even though they could afford to do so. So, uh, that may have been a, a bit of an element there. That's, I think one of the reasons why we don't see straight up luxury stores on, on, on the North shore versus what you would see on Alberni street in downtown Vancouver. 
Well, you, you just mentioned being, you know, value conscious. I'm wondering about people that have to be money conscious moving forward with grocery store prices, with restaurant prices. We're, we're seeing a lot more reports come out, studies coming out that prices are actually going up and may not even be reflective of what the official data says. Is this putting a lot more pressure on just the average Canadian consumer in terms of how much disposable income they have? Or is this being kind of overblown because we're not seeing giant leaps, you know, like 10, 20% in like the cost of, you know, your, your, your uh, flour, your, your staples that you'd get every day? I think it really depends. Depends. There's certainly a segment of the population that's struggling right now. And those who may have been struggling before or were on the cusp of that, uh, in, in many cases, would be struggling more now, whether or not there were job losses, whether or not there was a, a situation where they're on government support for a while that may have run out. Uh, you know, for some, this has been a really challenging time. And uh, I think that, you know, these increase in food prices, there, there's no question that it's happening. I'm noticing it in the grocery store, too. I think I think pretty much everybody is if they shop for food or go to a restaurant, even it's getting a little bit more expensive out there. Uh, you know, when I'm not seeing quite the sales and I'm seeing higher prices, this is going to hit that segment of the population. But we also have a segment of the population that's done very well during the pandemic. They got paid throughout. They may have gotten raises or made more money with their investments or the companies they own. They call it kind of a K-shaped recovery. I'm, I'm witnessing this as well, where you've got people out there that say, wow, I made a lot of money and saved a lot of money at the same time, didn't spend a whole bunch of money during these pandemic lockdown periods and, and are wealthier now because of it. And so those, I think, that haven't had the advantage of the pandemic growing wealth are going to struggle during this time. And I think that this is going to uh, definitely impact families. What is it? Almost half of Canadians are $200 away from being insolvent. Uh, you know, if they, they can't meet certain bill obligations at the end of the month, that, that's scary. And with increasing grocery prices, it's easy to wipe out that $200 pretty quickly. Yeah. And we also have restaurants really struggling right now. They're feeling the pinch. I think there was that survey from Restaurants Canada. It said almost half plan to raise prices on the menu by you know X amount of percentage within the next 12 months. Are restaurants, like a lot of them just hanging on by a thread right now, have they found kind of an equilibrium after being able to survive this far into the pandemic? This is a really tough time uh, for rest for many, many restaurants. Uh, the cost of goods is going up. Uh, the cost of the food that, you know, just the raw materials, I guess you'd say that they're going to be turning into a meal for someone is going up. Um, probably the worst thing for restaurant owners right now, if they don't have staff, is actually finding them. I think that's a huge huge issue uh i cannot believe how many you know restaurateurs and and other people are asking me to help them find which i'm not a good person to, to do this to help them find you know staff managers and, and wait staff for restaurants because that's the thing is a lot of people have left the industry they don't want to work they don't want to deal with people you know if there's mask mandates and vaccine passport proof you know all that stuff working in a restaurant isn't going to be that fun right now so I think that that's going to be a huge issue for for, for restaurateurs. Uh, so really, it's going to, it's, the, it's the cost. Uh, it's the increased cost of, of cleaning, um, you know, of, of getting supplies. I, I mean, it's going to be a lot harder to do business as a restaurant. I think moving forward than it was before the pandemic, and uh, and some restaurants were struggling before the pandemic. So I, I think for sure some are hanging on by a thread, and we're probably going to see more shut down as we see government supports uh, run out. I think it uh, towards the end of this month. Well, let me make this pitch because there, there's some sort of solution that, that I 
thought was obvious. It's something that I, I saw when I was in uh, Japan. And essentially, you go to a restaurant there, and um, many of them just have tablets, and you can flick through the uh, the menu and uh, select what you want, and um, that's what the kitchen gets. And then, like a single server is serving the entire restaurant. They don't need to keep going back and forth. You know, they're summoned just based on tablets. But now we're hearing stories about like robots as servers, which seems like prohibitively expensive, but we're having a lot of labor issues. I don't know, Craig, is my idea totally out there? Uh, why can't we just kind of make those uh, one-time investments and in, say some sort of tablets at uh, every single table? Or is that just going to be too pricey for a lot of these folks? I don't know if the tablets would be too pricey. Um, I thought the robot would cost maybe about $10,000, which I could be wrong, but I think a woman in Vancouver has a restaurant. It's either Vancouver or Richmond or maybe Burnaby, but it's in the Vancouver area. Um, she has a, a robot doing some service. I wonder if it's still doing that now, but I think the cost was around $10,000. And if you think about what it would cost to hire someone, have health benefits, all that other stuff, um, that one-time investment might be worth it. So I don't know if we'll be seeing it, the tablets as well. Um, I haven't seen that. A, well, I've seen that a little bit in Canada, not much. There's a restaurant in Toronto where you call it, it's Japanese, where you order off the thing and then a conveyor just shoots the food to you when it's ready, basically. But they still have wait staff that are there to be friendly and, and fill drinks and whatnot. But um, could that be the way of the future? Quite possibly. Yeah, especially if there, there aren't that many wait staff out there. But that uh, cost will be prohibitive for some restaurants, especially the ones where we just said, you know, might be holding on by a thread, you know, that 10,000 or 20,000, whatever investment they would need initially for that robot may not be feasible unless there's some sort of payment plan or something. I don't know. But um, yeah, there's going to be some there that are going to struggle and it's probably going to be the independents, uh, unless the big ones are, you know, already financially stretched, which is certainly a case as well for some restaurant groups out there. Well, I'll leave you off with this. A lot of folks, they look forward to, you know, Christmas as their favorite holiday of the year. I've always been a big fan of Halloween. It's, uh, I, I like getting the decorations. I like dressing up for that. So I always can be creative. Um, I didn't really do anything last year. Like, uh, didn't really feel the urge to go out uh, for Halloween during the pandemic or really celebrate. Um, how, how big of a deal is Halloween for, you know, whether it's uh, uh, retailers or, or just pubs, clubs and the like that would be counting on a bit, bit of a boost that weekend uh, in terms of sales? Halloween is actually a bigger deal for some retailers than we realize. Um, I don't have the stats in front of me, so I would have to speak a bit more anecdotally, but um, it's certainly one of the top uh, yearly events, if we can call it that, along with Christmas or the December holiday season, whatever you want to call it, uh, for retailers. Uh, some retailers actually do quite uh, high sales in terms of Halloween. I, I guess they're the ones that are uh, selling things that people might want, whether or not that's food or I suppose candy or decorations or whatnot. But there's certainly money to be made for Halloween, uh, uh, for, for restaurants, for, sorry, for retailers. And I was going to say, and for restaurants as well, potentially, um, events, you know, it's definitely a moneymaker. It's, it's billions a year in Canada. Uh, how is it going to be this year? Well, it depends. I mean, I think some jurisdictions, many jurisdictions are still saying, Hey kids, you can trick or treat, um, you know, wear a mask not just a scary one, perhaps, or whatever. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I do think that, you know, the nightclubs and some of the events are being canceled. I know that in Toronto, they usually have a big street party, uh, you know, in, in the Church Wellesley Village. And I think that's been canceled this year. And, and that was at least an event that people would go to and get dressed up at. So I think that we are going to see an impact uh, in the wallets of businesses, or you're going to see decreased sales for, for certain retailers. 
uh, despite the fact that things aren't nearly as bad as they were, I think, last year around uh, COVID-19 and the numbers. Uh, it, it is still a situation where things aren't going to be as big as they would have been in you know, 2019. I'll put you on the spot right now, Craig. Uh, what's your favorite thing to dress up as for Halloween? Oh, my God. That is something on the spot. I haven't dressed up for Halloween. I don't know how many years it's been. Um, I Like, it's been like 25 years or something. I don't know. I think I was a kid the last time I dressed up for <laughs> Halloween. I couldn't even tell you. Uh, I have no idea. Uh, if I were need to, to bring it back. Oh, geez. Uh, yeah, I'll do... Uh, I, well, I certainly wouldn't do Justin Trudeau dressed as someone else because that would involve having to color my skin artificially, and, and that's very, very apropos. Don't do that. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I don't Avoid know. That, I don't know. Yes. Avoid that. Yeah. Avoid that, everyone. Yes, but because <laughs> we've seen the, the downfall. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I think my own life can be scary enough at times. I'll just. Stay, <laughs> I'll just. I'll just keep to my own costume. <laughs> Uh, I, I, fair enough. But uh, Craig, uh, we'll get you to check in with us uh, sometime in the coming weeks. We know we have the uh, the holiday season coming up. It's always big for shopping. We want to pick your brain then too. But uh, until then, just want to thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Thanks for having me. That is Craig Patterson. He is founder and editor-in-chief at retailinsider.com. That is it for the show today. But we will be back tomorrow. In the meantime, you can go to BIV.com. More stories, more interviews there. I just want to thank everyone for listening. I'm Tyler Orton.